go, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. We are broadcasting live in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as the East Bay Area. This hour of Full Circle marks the end of our fall fun drive, but not the end of our work here at KPFA. We will continue to bring you uninterrupted programming covering the most pressing, pressing issues of the day. Thank you so much to everyone who has already donated to our station, and if you haven't, there's always time online at kpfa.org. On tonight's show, we bring you an update on actions taking place around the Bay Area in support of animal and farm worker rights. And to mark the end of our fun drive, we'll speak with our beloved KPFA phone room volunteers who make it all happen. All that along with some great music selected by our First Voice Apprentices. That's tonight on Full Circle. I'm your host, Mari Nakagawa, and later on, I'll be passing it to my co-host, Aria Moshidian. Keep it locked. Welcome again to Full Circle. I'm Mari Nakagawa, and tonight we bring you an update on direct actions taking place around the Bay Area. In the past week, farm workers and animal rights activists have taken action against inhumane practices in the farms that produce the food we eat. Last Saturday marked the end of a week-long campaign to occupy Whole Foods, organized by the Animal Rights Network Direct Action Everywhere. The action was organized in protest to the lack of transparency by the Amazon-owned grocery chain and alleged animal abuse in their factory farms. At the same time, 45 minutes north, 45 miles north, excuse me, in Petaluma, over 200 protesters marched on McCoy Poultry Services, a supplier of Whole Foods. 58 of these activists were arrested and are now facing multiple felony charges. Joining us in studio is one of these activists, Priya Swan, sorry, Priya Sahani. Sahani, there we go. <laughs> sorry about that. That's Priya right. Sahani is co-founder of Direct Action Everywhere, also known as DXE, yeah. an Indian immigrant from a Sikh family and a national figure on racism and animal rights. Priya formerly worked for the Tenderloin Housing Clinic right here in the Bay Area. She's a lead investigator in DXE's Open Rescue Network, which has undertaken investigations and rescues gathering international media attention, including in the New York Times. Priya, welcome to Full Circle. Thank you so much for having me here. So you were among the 80, sorry, 58 protesters arrested at McCoy Poultry last Saturday. Tell us what happened, why you were there, and what actions you undertook. Yeah, so yes, I was one of the 58 activists that was arrested and charged with a conspiracy, uh, felony conspiracy and, and burglary, uh, along with misdemeanor trespass. And what we did is we went to uh, uh, the largest organic poultry producer in the world to give consumers the right to know what's happening behind these closed doors, the animal cruelty uh, that these you know poor animals are, are suffering from. And what we went there to do, Mari, was to give these animals the urgent medical care 
food and water that every being deserves. And so we set up a medical triage unit, a medical tent inside of the farm, and we had a team of um, essentially nurses who were giving these uh, dying birds fluids, water, food, and um, for doing this, uh, the cops closed us in inside of this facility and um you know i was one of the people who was you know at the front lines just begging these these police officers to let us walk outside with the with the birds that our activists were holding uh instead of doing that instead of having mercy on these animals instead of letting uh, animal rescuers do their job um uh, the police ended up arresting us and and just one more thing you know we we, we didn't go there as law breakers we went there to uphold the law because in california Every individual has the right to enter a facility if they know, if they have knowledge that criminal animal abuse is happening there. And we know from whistleblower footage that there is criminal animal abuse happening there. And you really don't even have to be inside of this farm. And I went inside to document. I was live streaming. Uh, You don't even have to be in there for long to see that, you know. In the first 30 seconds that you walk in, you'll see birds that are lame, who can't stand on their two feet, who are starving, who can't access food or water. And then the the uh, one thing that you'll see that is just gut-wrenching is um, these birds who don't even look like birds. They're, they died, their bodies are rotting, and we had activists holding these dead birds, telling the police, look, there's criminal animal abuse happening there, these birds are starving. According to the law, we have the right to go inside of this facility and help uh, these animals. And I think some people might hear this and think, you know, trespassing and mm-hmm. that the police had the right. But as you say, there is this um, this tactic that you all employ called open rescue and it is legal. Yeah, open rescue is, you know, again, in California, uh, and we all have the right to go and provide aid to dying animals. And I know that you, Mari, and other people, even the police officers that were there, if they saw a dog that was trapped in a car on a hot day, they would break open the window to help that dog. And this is what we were trying to explain to the police officers, that we're essentially doing that, but the dogs happen to be birds, and the car happens to be a farm. And so can you talk about um, the relationship that you observe and the actions that you undertake between law enforcement and these factory farms? Yeah. And, you know, this is this is something that I personally have experienced, uh, you know, uh, have seen firsthand. One of the things that you'll really see, especially at the farm, is like these, you know, even though the cops say that they're here to help the animals and they said multiple times to my friends, to the people who were helping these dying birds, hey, we care about these animals and we want to we want to take them to to care. You know, we want to take them to care. So we said, if you really care about these animals, let you know, let us do our job. Let us care for these animals. So, you know, they said that to us. But what they ended up doing was they ended up taking the animals from us, um, confiscating them. And then they uh they kill these animals. And, you know, what I'm trying to get at there is that the reason they're doing that is because they don't want people to know what's happening inside of these closed doors. They don't want they don't want these farms to get exposed, which kind of brings to question what you asked. Why is the law enforcement doing the bidding of these massive corporations? And the answer is because there's a lot of money. This is an Amazon supplier, and Amazon is the largest online retailer in the world, and this is the largest organic poultry producer in the world, and this is uh, also happens to be one of the largest employers 
in Sonoma County. And that kind of brings it full circle where you start to understand, okay, I see, you know, so these, the, these police officers don't really have my interest as a consumer. They don't have my interest as someone who's trying to help the animals. They certainly don't have the interest of these animals. So it, um, and you, and not only with this, but we've experienced this with other investigations that we've done as well. Uh, one notable one is of uh, Smithfield, which is the largest pig farm in the world. When we did an investigation there and saved two dying piglets, the FBI came after us. Mm-hmm. They came after these two piglets. And then again, you wonder, why is the FBI spending millions of dollars or thousands of dollars chasing baby piglets? Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that case in particular because Glenn Greenwald covered it in The Intercept, I believe, and many of our listeners will know him as one of um, the founder, co-founder of The Intercept, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, and he's been kind of consistently covering <coughs> um, animal rights activists, and he sort of, um, in covering the, the release of the, or the rescue of those two piglets, sort of exposed um, how deep it goes, the cover-up of um, what goes on in these factory farms, because after they, after it was direct action everywhere, correct? That rescued the two piglets, yeah, and brought them to um, an animal shelter. The FBI tracked them down. Yeah, can you talk a little about that? Yeah. So after DXC did an investigation and found these two dying piglets, and I just want to show you know give people a chance to know what it's like to be inside of this massive pig farms. You have you have mother pigs in gestation crates so tight that they can't even turn around. They'll never get to see their their uh, piglets. They'll never get to uh, give them warmth and you know the the things that mothers are supposed to do. So when our activists saw these two piglets who were you know, who were basically on the verge of death. They weren't able to open their eyes. They weren't really able to stand. They did what every person would do. They brought that animal, uh, they brought those piglets to a vet and provided them uh, with urgent medical care. And uh, for doing that, you know, a few months later, uh, uh, these, uh, the FBI chased these piglets down and, um, you know, went as far as actually uh, taking chunks off of their ear to do DNA testing. And you wonder, like, again, why are they doing this? And the reason they're doing this is because, uh, not because they care about the these two piglets, because th- these two piglets would have, you know, it's almost a guarantee that they would have died. So it's not like they care, and, you know, they're only worth a few dollars. So the FBI is certainly not going to go after people for a few dollars, but they will go after activists who are going inside of these facilities, uh, showing the, the public what's happening behind these closed doors and sharing these stories and exposing companies like Smithfield, which puts them on the defense. It scares them because these are, this is a massive uh, corporation. It's the largest pig farm in the world. And the last thing they want is for activists to come inside. And that's why Glenn Greenwald covered this because it's such a, you know, the cover up is at such a high scale that, you know, it's, it's, it's mind blowing mm-hmm. the ties between law enforcement government and and corporations and the way they conspire to hide what's going on behind these closed doors. Mm -hmm. And then the retaliation goes all the way from activists, investigative journalists, to even the people I think who were working at the shelter got followed home and harassed. Um, And I was wondering if you could talk about these, (coughs) are they ag-gag laws? 
Yeah. So the you know the reason the ag gag laws exist is because uh, they're trying to you know again the government and these corporations are trying to um, make sure that activists don't come inside and literally document conditions, not even stand outside and document what's happening inside of these farms because they know that regardless of how much money they have, regardless of how much power they have, if people see what's happening inside of these facilities and trust me I'm an investigator I've been inside these facilities I have seen firsthand I've had animals die in my arms I have you know helped rehabilitate animals who I've rescued from uh, pig farms uh, chicken farms if people know what's happening in these facilities there is no way that they would support what's going on and that's what we want to do we want to go inside these facilities to not only help rescue these animals but to give consumers the right to know what's happening especially because the, they're they're ag-gag laws that are threatening activists but they're also threatening consumers mm -hmm. and with we only have a few minutes left but i wanted to address what we were talking about right before we started yeah. um we got on air and started the show which was the fact that animal rights um is for many people sort of a controversial topic and we were talking about um the critique that many times animal rights activists people criticize animal rights activists for valuing animals lives they believe over humans yeah can you address that yeah and you know this is definitely um at least i'll share my experience with you i'm an immigrant i was born in um, india i moved here when i was 11 years old i know we were talking about this i came to this country at a really unfortunate time it's around the time when 9 11 happened so when i would walk down the corridors of my school uh, i had kids point to me and say that's what our enemy looks like there's a terrorist um and because when they saw me they saw someone who's different and all of this really really you know stuck with me and these experiences of feeling discriminated against feeling different is what helped me understand that whoa animals are probably going through the same thing and if not worse because they're discriminated too for the way they look they're you know they're discriminated for being different uh, they're dif discriminated for being a different species so I think there's a lot of people who are part of the animal rights movement because they empathize with the, you know, they empathize uh, with these animals uh, because of their own personal experiences being discriminated against. And I know when when I worked at the Tenderloin Housing Clinic, I I um I so many people told me that they understand what animals go through because they've been inside of prison. That you know their dog is their best friend because they're so lonely and they love their animals more than anything else. And and the reason that they have more sympathy in my opinion 100% more sympathy than any other person uh, you know who isn't in that who isn't coming out of homelessness is because they have literally sh have some shared experiences with these animals whether that's being trapped inside of a prison for a few years whether that's not having food or water whether that's not knowing if you have a home or not yeah and I think even that I think still people have difficulty in in reconciling this you know um, but I think what we really have to think about is that is that devaluing humans' lives and comparing to them, them to animals also necessitates a devaluing of animals' lives right. and saying that they're lesser than, so then therefore people can be you know, put down for being related to animals. And instead it's about elevating everybody. Yeah, I think you said it as best as anybody could. The reason that and, you know, calling someone a pig is an insult is because people view 
people have a misconception of pigs. But if you actually met Lily, one of the animals that we rescued, she is the sweetest little cleanest pig that you've ever <laughs> met in your life. She's picky. She won't just eat anything. I think one of her favorite foods is, um, you know, is is uh, is eating a watermelon. I could be wrong, but you know, she has she has her own preferences and her own personality, completely different than her sister Lizzie. And I think once we get to know animals, uh, so now if someone calls me a pig, I think that is very, uh, you know, that's that's definitely a compliment because pigs are gentle, innocent beings. They certainly don't hurt anyone, and and they're really funny and like belly rubs, just like our dogs. <laughs> So this is Full Circle. I'm Mari Nakagawa, and we've been speaking with Priya, of the co-founder of Animal Rights Network, Direct Action Everywhere. Priya, again, is one of the 58 activists facing multiple felony counts, as well as a result of her activism against uh, family farm practices. And we're going to take a sh- factory farm, excuse me. <laughs> we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by labor organizer Steve Zeltzer to discuss the Boycott Driscoll's movement. I'm Mari Nakagawa. Stay with us. Down south, the Indians know about crackers and black people. When I came up north, I started hanging with Latinos, the Bodinquins and Tainos, and even the Arawaks. It's the language that be dividing the Spanish from black. My name is Emmy Della Hente, comprending intending. You feel me? Biakas to the Bronx, Sabana to South Philly. We the same people starting way before Puerto Rico. Our history is more than just packages of Perico from Colombia. El Choco, they black too. Zapatistas in Mexico, we fighting for you. Sandinistas in Nicaragua, keeping it true like the two. Pacamaru, down in Peru My name is M.A. Uno Revolutionary, you can still catch a puño My style straight sucio, police straight We keeping the caliente DPs, don't touch We building this movement, they in the only way We winning this black and brown power No back and down, now is the time to get ours If you touch one, you touch all, it's more than a rhyme We in this together, son, your beef is mine My people, my people, we struggle, we struggle together I'm with you, I'm with you, my kids, whatever, whatever My people, my people, we we struggle, we struggle together. I'm with you, I'm with you, my nigga. Whatever, yo, whatever. Yo, mommy, don't be twisting up your nose. I'm your forgotten brother. Spanish Rose ain't got no love for a brother. We the same folk, same boat, same heritage. The slave ships went to PR just like America. Not just because you light. Don't be thinking that you white. Puerto Ricans and blacks, we still fighting for our rights. See, we from the same root, love. We on the same team. I put my cornbread and greens with your rice and beans. For every Black Panther party, there's a young lord. We oppressed by the same system, so it's one call, Latin kings know about that golden black on one flag. All my Spanish-speaking comrades, soldier rag. We once for our libertar from Cuba to Angola. Chase spirit still in the youth, they can't hold us. The hot weather, the conga, the capoeira. The Spanish moms and black pops, they got together. The struggle in the ghetto is a struggle in the barrio. DP's Tony Touch, all up in your audio. You touch one, yo, you touch all. And if you with USA, then motherfuck y'all. My people, my people, we struggle, we struggle Welcome back to Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA, kpfa.org. I'm your host, Mari Nakagawa. That song you just heard was Touch One, Touch All by Tony Touch featuring Dead Prez. So last Saturday marked the Global Day of Action Against Driscoll's, organized by El Sindicato Independiente Nacional y Democrático, 
de Jornaleros Agrícolas, S-I-N-D-J-A, in English, the Independent Democratic Farm Workers Union. Driscoll's is the world's largest berry producer, and for years their workers in San Quintin Valley, Baja, California, have alleged wage theft, long hours, lack of legal protections, exposure to dangerous chemicals, and various forms of abuse. Joining us in studios to discuss is Steve Zeltzer, labor organizer with the movement to boycott Driscoll's and host of Workweek, a weekly program here at KPFA. Steve, welcome to Full Circle. Thank you. And and first of all, I want to congratulate the apprentices for streaming the Climate Rally live. Thank you. I think that was a great thing, and I think uh, the fact that you could have it live is very important. And actually, it corresponds to what's happening with the farm workers in Mexico because they're starting to stream their press conferences and rallies live on Facebook. Multimedia. Multimedia. They're getting their stories out and that's what we have to do. That's why what you're doing in the Apprentice program is very important Mm -hmm. because there's so many stories going on uh, that have to be covered and streaming live to the people of this country and this world is very important for that. Yeah, and we can thank um, specifically Frank Sterling for get, making that happen. Um, but Steve, I want to ask how you got involved with Boycott Driscoll's and with the labor's organizing in San Quintin. Well, I uh, have been involved in solidarity, international solidarity for many, many decades uh, because basically workers in this country are from all over the world and the struggles here are the same struggles that are going on um, in Mexico and in many other countries. And what the capitalists do in this country is try to pit workers in this country against other countries. You know, I mean, blaming the Mexican workers for the economic crisis in this country, which Trump and other people have done. Um, so one of the ways to counter that is to actually talk what are the conditions of workers in Mexico. And the the truth of the matter is is that as a result of NAFTA, and we can go into this later, uh, NAFTA privatized the ajitos, the land that the indigenous people uh, in these areas worked on, and they were forced off the land. Many of them came to the United States to work, then they were kicked out of the United States and ended up uh, in Baja, California, San Quintin, uh, 80,000 workers and their families in slave-like conditions. And when I discovered that, I mean, this is a result of NAFTA. This is the result, that you have these workers and their families fighting for justice, fighting for human rights, fighting for housing, fighting for health care. And the fact that it's right next to California means that we, as people in California, have a responsibility to link up with our brothers and sisters in Mexico. I mean, this is our direct link. And there's not enough of that direct linkage between workers here and workers in Mexico. And there should be. That's one of the reasons I've been involved in that. And how have um, workers in California and workers in Mexico done this through this boycott? Well, we've been, we've organized nationally and internationally. Um, We, uh, this most recent International Day of Action on September 29th, there were actions around the world. There were actions in Chicago, um, many, many cities, including in San Francisco at Costco, which is a big uh, carrier of of, uh, uh, Driscoll's berries. So we have a, it's a rank and file kind of thing. It's a network. Nobody is organizing, no one group. What we encourage people to do is organize where you are. Go to the supermarkets and ask them not to carry Driscoll berries because these workers are living on $7, uh, trying to live on $7 a day. And the companies, Driscoll's, do not want a union. There was a strike two years ago. They went on strike and they brought in the army and the police to crush the strike. And that was in Mexico. Uh, that was in Mexico. Yeah. And so the, the basically these workers are working for Driscoll's Driscoll's is making the profit and the conditions they have are directly a result of the United States, U S multinationals who keep down their wages and don't want them to have in living wages. So, 
uh, more education is what's necessary. We're, uh, I think later this month there may be uh, Lorenzo, the leader of the farm workers, may be coming to California. Uh, to speak and thank uh, workers here who are sh showing solidarity. Also, there's a movement of m millions of people in Mexico against the uh, exploitation, the privatization of the Mexican economy because Mexico is a wealthy country, yet you have uh, tremendous poverty. And the reason is the wealth at the, the top and the wealth under NAFTA was privatized. The, they privatized the telecom company. They gave it to Carlos Slim, who's the, one of the richest men in the world. Uh, they gave it to U.S. companies to buy the railroads, to buy the mines, to buy the wealth of Mexico. And unfortunately, under this new uh, NAFTA point two, uh, they want to continue that, uh, mm -hmm. continue privatizing the oil and the other wealth. So we need solidarity because the way we look at it is the way we're going to build uh, a strong working class movement is to have direct links and for workers to support the workers of Mexico, they will support us workers in Canada, that we're all in the struggle together. We're fighting the same multinationals. So let's work together. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll talk briefly um, in a bit about NAFTA 2.0. Um, I'm wondering if you could describe a little bit more about the, the conditions. Well, the, the Mexican farm workers in San Quintin live in hovels. I mean, you, you talk about, uh, you know, just shacks and, and not wooden shacks, tin shacks. Uh, I mean, tents, basically. Uh, the, the tents you see in the Bay Area, but in worse shape than in the Bay Area. So these are the families that live there. Um, the, the roads are unpaved. The governments have promised they would pave the roads. When it rains, as it has this past week, uh, they're mud on the roads. Uh, they don't have proper health conditions. They don't have the health care benefits. They're not covered by Social Security, although the government promised that they would. And actually, there's a, a you know a terrible uh, pesticide danger of of cancers and other things. I mean, a lot of the young children are in the fields, so they're getting these chemicals, um, and and it's a terrible health and safety condition for the people there. And that's you know I would not want to live there. I would not want anyone to live in the conditions that they live under. And so last year, farm workers at Sakuma Brothers in Washington yes. were mostly indigenous Oaxacan. One themselves a union. Can you tell us about their organizing? Well, they had a struggle, a community struggle, and, and had a boycott, and they were able to force the uh, grower in Washington to accept the union. And that's a good thing, but the struggle is not over. I mean, they're in, even in California, there are a large number of farm workers who are unorganized, um, and uh, their conditions are not that good. In fact, the heat, uh, global warming is creating a, a terrible situation for farm workers who have to be out in the fields. Mm -hmm. And um, we have to defend these farm workers. The people that uh, produce our food, they ha should have the highest priority. They're producing food for us. And they're mistreated. They've industrialized farming. Um, they really don't care about the workers and, and their families. And um, we believe that uh, the farm workers of Mexico have a right to a decent human life, that they should really take over the land that has been uh, stolen from them by NAFTA and by the privatizers. That land belongs to them. It doesn't belong to multinationals. But the first step is for them to get a union, get a union contract, and also demand that they get the back wages because these company unions in Mexico, they sign an agreement. You can't work unless you sign an agreement. You don't even know what it is. And the, under that agreement, they're not paid minimum wage. They don't get the benefits. So there's a struggle for independent unions. And the new president of Mexico, Arbador, actually has visited the farm workers twice. He's wearing a, a button of the Driscoll farm workers, yeah. which is quite significant, actually. So they believe that they're going to get more support from this new government. But um, 
one of the things is is that the way we build a real workers international workers movement is by building direct solidarity for them to come here for us to go there we're trying to organize a labor delegation of working people to go to San Quintin to meet with them and to to learn about their conditions and struggles and that's how we can bring back the real lives and struggles of, of Mexican farm workers. So as many of our listeners know, the U.S. under the leadership of Trump has drafted a new incarnation of the North American Free Trade Agreement. Can you talk about, you've t- spoken a little bit, but could you talk a little bit more about the original agreement in the context of these workers, how it shaped their conditions, and then the likely effect of this new agreement? Well, as a result of the Mexican Revolution, uh, the Mexican people nationalized oil, they nationalized the railroads, uh, they nationalized telephone, and these uh, institutions, transit, these institutions uh, were institutions that people had some control over. So what U.S. capitalism has argued is the way you're going to become more efficient is to privatize. Let us take care of you. And they have privatized, basically handed these uh, the wealth, these companies over to U.S. multinationals and rich uh, Mexican capitalists and laid off large numbers of workers in the railroads and, and the mines. They've broken unions in the mines. Um, so the real living conditions of the Mexicans has deteriorated as a result of NAFTA. Um, the other thing that's happened is the, uh, the free trade zones that they have, maquiladoras, are all non-union. So you have 1,500 factories there uh, that are non-union. Slave conditions, the conditions of women are unbelievable in, uh, in, in these areas. And sexual exploitation, that goes on with the farm worker women as well. And what happens is, is that these multinationals uh, basically use the Mexican government to repress union organizers. So union organizers are arrested, beaten, and sometimes killed. And what we need to do is develop direct links with these uh, farm worker organizers and, and industrial organizers and, and work with them to organize them. Uh, because workers in this country cannot survive alone. They're in, a, they're in a world, a global world. So what we uh, believe is, is that we have to organize by direct links and by direct action. Auto workers in this country, for example, if there's a strike of Mexican auto workers, they can stop uh, the flow of auto. We're not going to put on these parts if uh, these workers are trying to have a union. That's the real way. That's the bottom-up way of organizing international solidarity. That's the power of working people directly. And I think that there's going to be more of that because internationalism is growing. I'm, I was just on the picket line today of the Marriott workers in, in San Francisco. There are 2,500 workers, and they see it as an international struggle. Some of those workers are from El Salvador. They're from Philippines. They're from many countries that the United States has created civil wars in, and that's where they've, they've ended up in the United States. They've been forced to flee here. And that is a condition of many Mexican workers uh, who have come to this country. They've been forced as a result of the economic policies of the United States. This is Full Circle. We've been speaking with Steve Zeltzer, labor organizer with Boycott Driscoll's and host of Work Week, a weekly program here on KPFA. Steve, how can folks support and learn more about worker organizers of Boycott Driscoll's? Okay, before I I just want to make some quick points on NAFTA. One, it's going to continue deregulation of health care. It's going to make it more difficult for us to have national health care in the United States. That's NAFTA point two. Mm. So they're going to hurt health care in this country. It also is going to allow the oil companies to continue and the chemical companies to continue to uh, uh, use pesticides and sprays mm-hmm. um, in Mexico and the United States. So it's harmful in that way. And it's, it's going to allow continued privatization of oil and other industries in, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. How can we help out? 
Well, what you can do is uh, contact us, and I have a number, 916-712-4251. Set up a committee um, and go to your local grocer and ask them not to carry Driscoll Berries. We're working to have a, a day of action once a month. We had a global day, but why not have a day of action once a month at a Costco, uh, at your local food store, and just explain to them. It's the consumer saying, look, we don't want berries picked by people who are living um, on $7 a day. They have a right to decent living conditions, and these berries are not cheap. They're high-priced. So why don't you refuse to uh, sell the Driscolls? And as I said, we're also planning to have a tour uh, of uh, Lorenzo, the leader of the farm workers in California, uh, to meet with people in Sacramento, Los Angeles, and the Bay Area. And uh, build up solidarity and, and get educated about these struggles. Thank you so much for being with us, Steve. Thank you. Can let me give a phone number, 916-712-4251. All right. And all that will be in our show notes. Um, you can find it on kpfaapprentice.org. You're listening to Full Circle on 94.1 FM, KPFA. I've been your host for the first half of this show, Mari Nakagawa. Thanks for listening. I'm going to stick around, but hand the mic off to Arya Moshirian for the remainder of tonight's show. Thank you, Mari. Um, thanks for sharing that very important information with us. And good evening, good evening, everyone. Again, I'm Aria Moshirian, also from Group 43, Dry Lungs So Rising in the house with you tonight. And we're going to be listening to some music here together, hoping that this will nurture the revolutionary fervor within each and every one of you and appeal to you to help support the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, which brings the listeners so much valuable information and stories of what is happening in our, in our communities and globally. We may have some of our beloved phone room volunteers stop by and talk with us as well. I want to give out the number to you here, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA or onlinekpfa.org. And no donation is uh, too small. If you're somebody that's struggling and KPFA is there for you and you can't get by right now, then we're not we're not asking you to donate. But if you, if you can reach into your pockets and uh, help us out. If you could reach in and, and write us a, a big check or something, that would be great too. We'll take that too. We could use that. Um, so please don't hesitate. Again, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-KPFA or online at kpfa.org. Um, so let's get into some music here and we're going to kick it off with the British Iraqi rapper activist Loki. accused of encouraging terrorism he's promoting peace far from violent encouragement our believers unjust that this school has summoned him how can one man rapping lead to terrorist actions this misunderstanding merit say retraction accused of calling for attacks on military facilities you can't equate violence with criticism politically where's the freedom of speech is just another young musician who is seeking a dream my client is accused of inciting racial tension he's half arab half english did i fail to mention the media rendered, his reputation ruined Think about how many youngsters he has influenced To quit a life of crime 
and do the opposite Most of the man's tracks are completely devoid of politics The evidence is unseen, the verdict is a dundee How can you compare a song to invade in a country? My client isn't hungry for the blood of the people Since when is making a rap song ever made illegal? No murder is stuck, the thing that drives this person is love I rest my case to the jury and the merciful judge they're calling me a terrorist, we know who the terror is, tell them that I'm not. They're calling me a terrorist, it's time to settle this, tell them that I'm not. I'm all about love and peace, why you wanna trouble me, tell them that I'm not. My intentions are clear to see. Sir, can you confirm you're the artist that stole this low key? Are you aware the state has been building this case is so free? You claim that you're all about love and you promote peace. I'm here to prove that your hot speeches lead to cold deeds. Your lyrics are a virus infecting all the youths. You say whatever it takes to get a mention on the news. You're an insult to the people and offend the soldiers too. Objection, your honor. Objection overruled. Do you denounce the monarchy and hope for a republic? Monarchy is inequality, systemic injustice. While you strangle Afghanistan and tank with Taliban, our taxes have to pay for David Cameron's cameraman. How can you compare spreading anarchy to spreading democracy? Like you compare resistance to extension of colonies. Did you really refer to the US as an abomination? No, I posed a question in reference to its domination. I scrutinize governments, you scrutinize songs. Did you compare Predator Jones to suicide bombs? Yes, and I question where such brutalized you can rise from. It's true, I choose to write songs, but you can write wrongs. But what if your questions equate to the spreading of hate? Is it true? You with Israel a terrorist state? Yes, cause it's based on the threat to erase an indigenous population you could never replace. They're calling me a terrorist, we know who the terror is, tell them that I'm not. They're calling me a terrorist, it is time to settle this, tell them that I'm not. I'm all about love and peace, why you wanna trouble me, tell them that I'm not. My intentions are clear to see. Please allow me to state the most relevant of facts I'm charged with section 1 of 06's Terrorism Act It is alleged the music I'm publishing for exhibition All amounts to the encouragement of terrorism My face was placed upon the news as a wanted person Cause it caused controversy when they saw my songs emerging If I was commercial would I have to ride all these hurdles Raided my home to take my phone Put some spies in my circle Not on it, no comment I will never change my position Not in jail but they gave me these stale bail conditions And this is the part where the plot just get sinister They ban me from the city of London and Westminster I do this for the rebels that do this without the medals For Smiley Culture, Joey McIntyre and Alfie Meadows Before you throw it at me, have a look at your backwards book Definition of terrorism, Columbus and Captain Cook I can't lie, it's getting deep Our lives are very cheap When one person dies in police custody every week They're editing my tracks Cause I'm telling them the facts You're more likely to die like that than from a terrorist attack Alright we're back here again at Full Circle, 94.1 KPFA. I'm Ariel Mushirion here. And I also have a, a few of our phone volunteers here with us. Uh, we have Angela Lowe and Jason Miles sitting, sitting here with us. How are you doing? Good evening. How hey. are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. So um, so tell me, um, maybe I'll start whoever wants to go for maybe with Angela first. How long <laughs> have you been connected to KPFA and uh, listening and volunteering? Well, I've been listening for a few months now, and it was actually Jason who hooked me onto it. And, you know, it was always something we wanted to do was volunteer here. And it was our first our first day volunteering. Oh, and what, what got you into it? Can you please write down? 
got me into volunteering. G- got you into like KPFA or got you uh, interested? Yeah, I mean, normal like just to break up the long commutes that I have is just like really keeping myself educated to what's going around in the world. Like we all are in this bubble, but there's just so much going on. And that, you know, KPFA has really been that bridge to like keeping me informed. Great, thanks. And what would you say to people out there that want to volunteer? If you're someone out there that's like, hey, maybe I might want to do that. What would you say to them to maybe get them to come out here and help us out? I would say you you should try. It is really a different experience because then you're getting people who are donating, you know, money that because they really believe in this program too. And I believe if you love this program, you might want to see what it's like over here. And it's it's really a different experience and just makes it so much better. Yeah. And uh, what about you, Jason? Uh, how long have you been uh, listening to KPFA and been connected with us? So, my name is Jason Miles. I am the chairman of the Center for Black Excellence, which is the most innovative and revolutionary nonprofit in America, probably aside from KPFA. I am going to exploit this opportunity to not answer anything you said, but just say, hello, KPFA. I love you so much. I want to tell you some of my favorite shows. I love, love, love the KPFA Evening News. Twitwit Radio is amazing against yes against the green Flashpoints Radio Apex Express. Yeah. I can keep going. Yeah. Transition everything, everything. So hello KPFA, hello KPFB in Berkeley, hello KFCF, which I think is following me on my Twitter. Uh, hello everyone, I really love it. Uh, to your question, I I've been listening to KPFA for years. I was more in tune with uh, some other local radio stations. And they're good stuff, but when you listen to KPFA, it's a whole different category and a a whole different uh, level of amazingness. I really appreciate about KPFA that all the sources are well and fact-checked, et cetera. Please ask me more questions. I'm just so excited to be here on KPFA. Hey, so... So what would you say to someone that wants to, to maybe volunteer? I think you should definitely volunteer at KPFA, your local community-powered radio station. You're going to be a part of a community. You're going to meet friends. Um, it's just something very altruistic and very pure. There's no reason why you shouldn't. There's food. There's food. Guys, there's food here. Uh, and you're just going to meet some of the most amazing, most connected people. And shout out to uh, Full Circle, Area 941. Yeah. Uh, first port. First voice apprenticeship program, Yaz, Yaz. Um, I'm asking a fool, and I don't care. I'm not. I mean, I have this opportunity again. KPFA is one of the best things that has ever happened to my life. I have. I am a donor of KPFA. I have called in and spoke to the volunteers, and have had such passion that I couldn't even have everything said on the radio. I did tell them that. KPFA was like a father to me. I grew up without a father and, you know, you get older and you realize what's missing and I didn't think it was really too much. But I get mentorship uh, from KPFA. I get what's really going on on KPFA. I feel like KPFA is in my corner and I trust KPFA. Sorry for that, guys. No, thank you. No, don't don't be sorry. And again, this is, a, this is a good time to appeal to you to donate here on the last day of our fun drive. And like, you look at the story that Mari did. Like, this is such a, a important story. You talk about the force that up somewhere like Whole Foods and Amazon, the capital force that they have upon us and um, being able to... You want to chime in there, Mari? Yeah, I just want to say, I was thinking when I was finishing up my interviews that those are two of like the most dangerous organizations to big agro in our country, to our government, and just how scared 
because we can see from how the police and everyone re reacts to their actions how scared they are of mm -hmm. them. And um, that's the kind of stuff that we put out here on KPFA. Mm -hmm. And that's who we talk to. Yes. That's right. So you get that kind of program. Like you said, you got we got DVD. I mean, a yep. genius. Great journalist. We got Gavalon. Yeah, we, yes. we got Gavilon that comes on here. We got we got Dennis Bernstein. We got so many great pro we got the Herbal Highway on here. One eight hundred Women's Magazine. Yeah. What up? Yeah. One eight hundred four three nine five seven three two one eight hundred KPFA or KPFA.org online. So uh, again, want to appeal to you and, and hope that you will make a donation to us. And we're going to take a little break here and uh, move into a little bit of more music here. Banks and big 
business take the same blame Open your brain, the clan and the cops are the same Slave quarters, blocks and prison blocks are the same They only separated by name, overrated by pain What's in a name? A colonist is the same People can't really see it because they blocked by the name But really Nazi Germany and your block is the same Look, Wall Street and Main Street, really that's the same street Drug talk, corporate talk, really that's the same speak Boom, back, boom, bit, really that's the same beat A throne or a chair in your home, that's the same seat I wrote and recorded this album in the same week California and Barcelona, it got the same heat I walk the same street, put no trust in the game Good cop, bad cop, they one in the same Same ish, 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 you They want the same thing To kneel before they mask and kiss the same ring But Solomon and Selassie, them are the same king So from Rhodes and the Mali, I spit the same swing Alright, welcome back everyone here on Full Circle 94.1 KPFA And uh, we're sitting down here and we're talking to more of our phone room volunteers And we have Max Blanchet and Terry Paris here with us How you doing? Hi. Welcome Hi Well, thank you very much for inviting me you're very welcome. Uh, so tell me, how long you been connected to KPFA, and um, uh, what's it like uh, volunteering? Okay. Well, I don't want to be too long. I, I became associated <laughs> with KPFA in 86. I remember, I'll tell you jokingly, that I was invited by Mama Oshie, who was an extraordinary programmer here, a speaker and all of that. That was in 86. I remember going to the old building on Shattuck and I was quite impressed. It was a, an old building, uh, tired looking building with a long stairway going to the studio. And as I was walking up, I, the, the weird idea developed in my mind that uh, maybe the bats would be coming out <laughs> and be attacking me. Of course, the, the stu KPFA understood this. That's when they started the construction here. Shortly thereafter, these offices were open. And, and it has been a great association. I've been invited many times. Uh, I served briefly on the board, it's going back 15 years. And I've been a volunteer. I've given a great deal of my time and some money occasionally. And I would say very quickly, I don't want to be much longer, this fund drive has been a great success. And I'll tell you why. Because for the first time, they've introduced computers to, for the acquisition of the data being provided by folks who support the station, money and all of that. I think that has been a huge success. Well, we've been very successful. Look at the money that has been raised. This is a great success. It took a little time to become accustomed to the computers, but this has been a success. And I'll add very quickly, I won't say any more, that one, this system should be adapted system-wise at Pacifica. All of the stations should have that sort of equipment. Great database, and this should be used, first of all, to improve the accounting at Pacifica, which is still questionable. I'm being honest with you and blunt. In addition, they should use the database to improve the electoral system at Pacifica. We talk a lot about it, but we have the tools now to do that. And these tools were used brilliantly. I'll stop here. Thank you. Thank you, Max. I appreciate that. And uh, Terry, um, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with KPFA and how long you've been connected with us? Well, I started listening in the mid to late 90s. 
and um, when the problems happened around 1999 and 2000, I actually I think came down and walked by the station a few times, and then I realized how easy it was to get here. So I just started coming in and volunteering for the pledge drive, and then I thought, well not enough people this time I'll sit for longer and so now I just come in Monday and Friday and probably stay around six or seven hours wow. a day and I've been doing that for a long time now yeah as long as I've been here I've seen you here you're here all the time yep and I and I also now do I'm a volunteer receptionist so I just keep, you know, if they need other things done, I'll do those too. And sometimes I work in, in outreach. Well, thank you and bless your heart. And what would you say to people that maybe want to volunteer that hear this? Please come. We need many more volunteers than we have now. And it's a wonderful station. Um, we don't realize it's something that if it goes, we won't get back. And yet it's one of the few antidotes to what we have out there. What we have out there is getting worse all the time. Yeah, and can you tell me a little bit, maybe for the listeners, what the phone room is like? It's, it can be a little tense in there, especially when you walk in and there's nobody there. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I'll come in in the afternoon and I'm the only person there for several hours. Um, but it's really, we have a lot of fun and we start, we play a lot of games, you know. I mean, you're just Humor, you know, I started the totalitarian group, which meant that we want totals on the board. If I'm going to sit there for five hours, you know, so I made up the totalitarian party <laughs> and we got the totals being put back on the board, you know, things like that. We just joke around. And I mean, it's just sometimes it's really a hoot in there and it's, it's a lot of fun. I've met a lot of interesting people. We've talked about a lot of nice ideas and so on you get to see the ways in which people are tied into kpfa i love talking to kpfa people on the air and it, i mean on the phone it means a lot for somebody to call in we get people that feel isolated in their own life because most people don't share their political views they don't see what they see about the society and it's important to know that there's somebody there that they can bridge to. All right, thank you. Thank you so much, Welcome. Max and Terry. Thank you so much. Um, again, I want to appeal to you here, 1-800-439-5732, 1-800-HEY-KPFA, www.kpfa.org, securely online. And, 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 and Terry was a very, made a very important point because... I've known people in the telephone room going back 30 years. You make yes. great friendships there. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. be good to be associated with such people. Yeah. All right, well, uh, thank you so much. Thanks for stopping by. And thank right. you very much for the invitation to participate. Yes, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, so here we're going to finish out here with uh, one more song. And uh, so stay tuned. You say you go for grammar school You be student You say you go university You get B, you get MA, LLD, and PhD 
You get PS, SSFS, XSK and PSS. You become professor. You start to waka waka about. You go for London, you go for Paris, you go for New York, you go for Hamburg, you visit Russia, you visit Japan, India and Lebanon, you come for Lagos, you start to miss your road. One boy from Mushi, he come hustle you, for Wajekuleo, the man quench you, you go for Shomolu, your money die. Shankara, you know get mouth You get sense and common sense But you know why it's at all I say you get sense and common sense But you know why it's at all You get sense and common sense brings us to the end of our show thank you everyone for tuning in with us and thank you to everyone that donated your patronage is a your patronage is appreciated our executive producer is miss m our technical director is frank sterling joy moore is our production consultant we have been your host this evening uh mari nakagawa and audio mushirian and um our tech assist sharon from group 43 dry long so rising stay tuned now for la onda bajita <laughs>